Welcome everybody to the Backmarkers F1 show. My name is Chris. A little bit of a different setup this week. I'm joined by Tyler McDonald from the comfort of his own home and his couch. This week, uh, Shaker is away uh, on a movie set, so we don't have access to our normal studio. But anyway, we wanted to bring you a podcast recapping the 2020 British Grand Prix, which will be a little bit shorter today. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we'll try and cover everything that we uh, saw in the race. Tyler, welcome. Thank you. Oh, this is a, a different setup, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary for us. We're used to working with the, uh, the, you know, the best scenarios that we can make and make sure we get uh, the proper videos out for you guys. Um, I'm sure also, yeah, Chris, I know you're wondering, why in God's name am I wearing a Brentford jersey? Uh, I'm not a fan of Brentford, let's just get that clear. I am a Tottenham fan. Uh, but uh, they are playing in the uh, EFL Championship against Fulham to see if they can go to the Premier League. I saw these two play- teams play actually four years ago uh, at Griffin Park in Brentford. A uh, beautiful stadium. Just uh, Actually, it's going to get torn down. Uh, they just built a new one. Um, but uh, I just thought I'd support um, and, and cheer on um, a team that I saw in England a few years back. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping they can pull it off because uh, they haven't been in the Premier League for like something like uh, since like the 40s or something like that. So wow, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure maybe some uh, UK fans actually are familiar with the team, or maybe are fans of the team themselves. So that's maybe. cool. Yeah, and again, not a fan at all by them, but I'm just I'm just giving them my support. It is a nice jersey. I thought I'd wrap. It is. I thought I'd wrap the jersey. <laughs> Good. Um, all right. Well, actually, keeping on the terms of UK and England and Britain, we are talking about the British Grand Prix, and uh, it's been a couple of days removed. And I'm just curious to know what uh, what your initial thoughts of the race were, Tyler. Um, I know we were kind of messaging back and forth that wasn't really much going on until about the last five laps or ten laps or so of the race. The first twelve laps or so was kind of a bit exciting, just with all the safety car woes and everything, but. I just kind of wanted to start with just sort of general thoughts and uh, impressions on the race. Yeah, I mean, the the start of the race was pretty dramatic, of course, uh, with, with Hulkenberg not being able to start and uh, the collision uh, between uh, between Alex Albon and uh, Kevin Magnussen, obviously. Um, and then it, it really settled down <laughs> from there. There was nothing that happened for, what, 50, what 45 laps, pretty much. Um, and then the ending was... was uh, almost a classic, I'd say. Almost a classic. <laughs> yeah, it was close. <laughs> I don't think we've really seen an ending like that too often. No, no, I I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Of, I mean, the the only thing I can think of is someone binning it on the last last corner would be Vettel uh, uh, binning it in, in Canada. Um, but uh, and obviously, Jensen Button won that race. Yeah, um, you know what? The other one I thought of actually on Canada it was like I think it was 1989, or it was a long time ago, but. Uh, like Nigel Mansell stalled it at the hairpin in oh, the final no. lap. I don't know if you remember that. I, not off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I think it was like, like, it was still when they had the manual clutch, so I, I feel right. like the reasoning was that he just left the revs too low because it's obviously it such a slow corner, and then he just stalled it, and I think like it was Senna or PK that won the race behind him. That was sort of like the only sort of scenario, but even that's not necessarily comparable, but I don't think we've ever seen a driver win half a lap of the last race just on three wheels. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, it was at least he made they made it dramatic for the last little bit. And I really feel for Bottas because I mean, if anyone he wanted to like to have a lap earlier to you would be Hamilton just for the championship sake. Yeah. Uh, but now you know Bottas doesn't score any points, uh, so Hamilton gains twenty five points uh, clean uh, in the driver standings, which is uh, tough for Bottas and uh, kind of widens the gap already. <laughs> and yeah. We're only on race race four. 
Yeah, exactly, man. It was t- it was tough for him, and kind of like Max's engineer said about Lewis, like lucky, lucky boy. Oh yeah, very lucky. Yeah, but even Belta said that. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, well, his gap was so big, and I, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later, just in terms of whether Red Bull should have made the pit stop or not made the pit stop. Um, but still, it was remarkable just to kind of hear. I don't know if people heard the team radio between Hamilton and his race engineer on the final lap, like totally calm, like you would never know that he just had a puncture and was possibly, you know, going to lose the lead of the race. So I was amazed at just how calm they were and relaxed. And I think I saw in the stats, it was like Lewis reached 230 kilometers per hour with a puncture on the on the Chapel Strait, or not the Chapel Strait, the... Uh, Campbell Strait. Yeah, was it, is, that, is that what it called? Oh, Campbell I, Strait's in Belgium. <laughs> I, I should know. I, I did the track guide last week, and I just completely yeah, I forgot. No, I can't think of it. The one before Stowe, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you reached like 230 kph down there um, on three wheels, which is pretty pretty crazy. No, I mean, it's, it's impressive. I mean, I did listen to the audio uh, of his final lap, and even in the post-race interview, he said... Oh no! I just felt pretty chill in the car. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I guess he's he's pretty cool, calm, and collected. Uh, Hamilton is. That's what makes him so great. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of other drivers would have you know overdriven a corner or uh, you know he's lucky that tire didn't uh, you know it delaminated, but it didn't uh, it didn't start throwing rubber all around everywhere because you know you could have had you know then your front wing goes and you even lose even more downforce um, and everything like that. So. Um, damage to the car, debris everywhere. It could be penalized as a you know, racing an unsafe car. Um, so he got very lucky. Not only the fact that he had enough gap and that the, the you know he, he won the race, but yeah. that the actual tire somewhat stayed together uh, for him to get around at the uh, the half lap. Yeah, that's a good point because we've seen a lot of them just completely delaminate before even half a lap is done, and then they're basically on the rim of the car. But the tire held up pretty well once it parked. After the race, it was still in some pretty uh, decent shape, had some good rubber on it. So, yeah, um, getting back actually to one thing that you mentioned, which was sort of one of the bigger incidents of the race, which was Albon and Magnussen. And I'm interested to know what your thoughts of who was at fault and what you thought of the penalty decision, because I've kind of flip-flopped back and forth between this. I've looked at the incidents a handful of times. I've looked at what other people are saying on Twitter and online as well. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts were of the incident. Was the penalty to Alex Albon fair? Do you think that... It's just a racing incident. Well, how did you see it? Um, at first, I thought racing incident. Um, that was my first kind of immediate thought was, okay, both of them going hard into a corner. It's a tough corner uh, to, to pass on and uh, you know, unfortunate to, to, to bang wheels there. But when I saw a look at a couple of replays, I thought the five-second penalty to Albon was fair because there wasn't. that's not a gap that you shoot uh, at that corner. Um and the, the when he shot it, there's no way Magnuson could have known that he was there, because you're looking, you know, you look in your mirrors and you look at your breaking point, right? You look at where you're you're exiting. In the middle of the corner, usually you're not expecting a car to come up your inside and clatter your wheel. So um, I think the you know patience for Albon would have been uh, huge there because he was going to get him whether it was the next lap or you know a couple corners down. He was going to pass Magnuson. Yeah, I think he just needed to be. A little more patient on the timing there because uh, it will cost him five seconds, which is really matter for him in the end, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. put someone out of the race, and he could have been a lot worse. Could have been his own car out of the race. I think patience could have been huge for them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how I, I, I sort of saw it in the end too, because I get both arguments that they didn't show before, like Magnuson had hit the curb pretty hard and kind of got out of shape for that corner. Right, but you know, at the same time, it's a little bit of a difficult corner to overtake, and 
Albon had a much faster car. He was most likely going to get him anyway, you know, in the turn three, four little chicanes. Um, and I think it goes back to also if we look at like the Albon Hamilton incident, which we talked mm. about a few weeks ago. And me and you were making the point, or maybe it was uh, Shaker that was making the point as well with me, that by taking him out of the race and kind of ruining his race, that sort of can't go unpenalized, even if it was just a racing incident. Right, yeah, I know for sure. Because it was a pretty, it was a very big hit for Magnussen, too. I mean, obviously oh, there's yeah. no chance for him to, to return into the race, but, you know, he, he put him right into the wall as well. So, um, yeah, I was almost leading to where, yes, I see it's a racing incident. Albon went for a gap, but I would agree with you that, again, we see in this situation that he needs a little bit more patience and, and know that, like, it was lap one heading into lap mm-hmm. two, so you don't need to get it done right then and there. Absolutely, yeah. Um... Not, not the ideal scenario for Albon, um, but uh, it's a learning curve for him. He's still a very young driver, um, and maybe something that he can, you know, I'm sure Christian Horner said, you know, next time Alex, maybe just, you know, wait another corner. You have the car to do it. Haas is in five. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you think is going to happen this year with the Red Bull's second driver? Because... I can't help but see a lot of similarities between him and Gasly's start to Red Bull. I don't think that, um, you know, it's it's as bad as Gasly's start was. Obviously, he had a couple of accidents and testing, which sort of set the tone for the rest of the season. But Albon's really struggled since the Austrian Grand Prix after losing out to Hamilton there. So what do you think Red Bull is going to do this year? Like, are, are they going to look to demote the driver again, bring up Kvyat or bring up Gasly again? Are they going to look elsewhere outside of the Red Bull Junior program? Because... They're really struggling with that second car. It's just not delivering at all. They need someone with the talent of Max Verstappen to, to, to keep up. And the problem is no one has that. Um, I mean, there's been rumors of, you know, does Hamilton move over? Does Vettel go back? Um, yeah, obviously, those are the, the, the two rumors now. Vettel's the rumor with racing points and him and Lawrence Stroll bumping elbows. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but the, the thing is with Red Bull is that they've always relied on their junior driver program. And we saw how well that did for a long time, um, and you know it, it brought up Albon, kind of, uh, I guess. Uh, it brought up Gasly, but now if you look at it, the most experienced Red Bull, um, Red Bull Junior driver is, I believe, Dan Ticton. Don't take it. Don't take that for you know full credit. It might be someone else. Uh, but anyways, the point I'm getting at is that there's not a lot of experience in the Red Bull Junior program right now. And uh, they've kind of lost out on a lot of the talent. They've brought a lot of the talent up. So there's no one really to fall back to to keep promoting these guys. They kind of have to rely on, if they're sticking, you know, Albon, Gasly, and Kvyat. Uh, unless they go elsewhere. Um, you know, could they do what they did with uh, Carlos Sainz and loan him to a different team next year uh, and bring in a bigger driver? Uh, that could be a possibility as well. Of course, then Sainz eventually terminated his deal with Red Bull, and I'm sure they're kicking themselves right now because science would fit in perfectly with yeah. the Red Bull in that second car. Um, but he's going to Ferrari, and that, maybe that's what they're worried about, that they're going to give up on a, someone too soon, and maybe a loan to another team next year would make sense. But um, right now, they're kind of stuck in a pickle. And, and I don't think that Albon it can't make it. I, I think it's the same thing where he's just a, a tad too young right now. Yeah, yeah, you make some good points, and I agree with you there that, consider this, it's Albon's only second season in Formula 1. I mean, I think we quickly forget that. But I also think a part of it is, too, is that Red Bull has to take responsibility, because if we're being honest, they do treat their junior program and junior drivers fairly harshly. Like, I remember not long ago, I was watching something on Gasly from last season. It was before, like, one of the first races, and 
he was on stage with Horner and Verstappen, and Horner like just flat out says like, "Oh well, you know, you know, Pierre cost us a lot of a lot of money early in the season with his accidents." You know, just like bluntly right in front of him, and then when you watch Pierre's face, it's just like you can see the color just drain from his face because that's such an uncomfortable position to be put in. And I think that Gasly, and I don't know if Albon's being made to look that way this season just yet, but Gasly last year was sort of made to look like the fool. But Red Bull and Christian Horner weren't necessarily a friendly environment for Gasly to be able to thrive in. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, we have to remember we only are in race four. Yeah. Um, Gasly had a very good Austrian Grand Prix. Or not Gasly, sorry. Um, Albon had a very good Austrian Grand Prix. So he's really only had two bad races here. Is that is that fair to say? Like, back-to-back, he's had two bad races? Yeah, absolutely. Now, so, he, he did struggle this weekend. I mean, had a big accident. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah. So it's, again, I don't think that, yeah, he should be demoted. But the point is, is that he's still quite a ways away from Verstappen. And like you said, I think they need somebody that's at the level of Max. Because not having two cars, especially in this era right now with Mercedes... It, it's a huge detriment to their team and, and championship as a whole. So I think their strategy of like, oh, like Max is our number one guy. Let's just bring in a second guy. It's not going to work. I'm not saying that you need somebody that's going to, you know, bump elbows with Verstappen, but you need somebody at his level, like a Ricardo was, for example, that could, you know, still outrace him week in and week out. Well, look how well the partnership, oh, I shouldn't say partnership. I should say the um, <laughs> pishing of Vettel and Weber worked out uh, for a young Sebastian Vettel, and how you know Weber was so was was good enough should be a world champion, and that still bothers me. Um, but uh, Weber was good enough to always be challenging Vettel and pushing Vettel, and you know, that's probably one of the things that led to Vettel's four uh, four world championships um, and and Red Bull's success as well. They need to repeat that if they want to get back up uh, to championship level quality. Yeah, and I agree with you there. I'm a big fan of Mark Weber myself, and. He, he was not afraid to rub elbows with, with Vettel and, and kind of try and put his mark on the team. Obviously, it didn't work, and I think that's sort of part of the reason why Ricardo left as well. He didn't want to sort of repeat the same fortune of Aussie drivers at Red Bull. Um, but yeah, like Mark Webber, he was older. He had a ton more experience coming through the juniors and, and coming through in Formula One as well. So he was able to provide a lot of valuable experience and veteran leadership to the team as well. Um, but yeah, I think that Red Bull, you know, I, I posted this on Twitter and I suggested my sort of fantasy driver market for, for next season, which would be Vettel to go to racing point, which we'll get to in a little bit. Cause that seems likely now. Then from there, I'd put Perez to Red Bull to partner Verstappen, put Albon back with Gasly at Alpha Tauri, and then Kvyat can have his choice between Alpha Romeo or Haas for next season. No, I mean, that's a pretty good uh, idea you have there. I think the only thing that you're missing is was, where's Hulkenberg? Is he coming back or do you have him well, in the driver scenario? Because, I mean, we didn't get to see him this weekend, which sucks. Uh, and hopefully, I, I believe he, he's going to be racing in uh, the 70th anniversary race because I think F1 made it a 10-day quarantine for, for Sergio Perez. Um, so we should see Hulkenberg back. And uh, hopefully he can get a, get a full race in his car actually starts because there's someone that deserves to be an F1 uh, in my mind and is a, a fantastic race driver um, and, and could do well with a, a lot of different teams. I mean, could see him at Haas, who knows? Yeah, I think Hulkenberg's definitely worthy of a, of a seat next season. Um, could have some opening slots. I think Raikkonen's most likely going to be done with F1 at the end of this year. 
Um, and I think that uh, Haas and Roman Grosjean, that relationship might have run its course. Well, uh, did you hear Roman after the race? Still defending his position? Well, no, he was saying, he was like, guys, I don't know what to do. I mean, I gave, that was the hardest I've ever raced. I gave 100% the whole race and we're still like effing P17. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, frustration is really setting in for Roman. Yeah. No, it's fair enough. I mean, the car is just not where it's at. Um, so he might look to like sports cars or IndyCar maybe want to actually challenge for wins. Yeah. Um, I just found it funny that the president of the Grand Prix Drivers Association was making those moves on Ricardo and Science, and then afterwards oh, yeah. was defending his defending. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was romance. And Mark Webber came out actually and said Roman, he's like, yeah, like Grosjean has absolutely zero understanding of like wheel-to-wheel racing, which I thought was hilarious. Ouch. Yeah. That's a pretty harsh. I mean, you're talking about... Yeah, a podium, podium placer in, in F1. Yeah, yeah, seriously. A long time ago, though. That's right, Lotus. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with, with Red Bull and their whole uh, whole situation. But um, I think that if they want championships, they're going to need a little bit of a better second driver. And maybe looking outside the Red Bull program, we're not sure. But I think we're still waiting on the other dominoes to fall in the driver market. And then we're going to be able to see where, where things shake up. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, on that, we can just move on to, to the Vettel and Racing Point slash Aston Martin rumors. And I made this a point in my uh, thoughts after the, the British Grand Prix where I was watching Ted Kravitz's notebook and he points out that people in the paddock, the news is that the deal's all but done and that uh, they wanted to report it or, you know, make it public at this race weekend. Obviously, the Perez incident happened, so they didn't sort of want it to be a, a double whammy of bad news for Sergio. So they're going to wait. Um, obviously, like you said, you had the little elbow bump between Lawrence and Sebastian. Yeah, I saw Vettel funny. speaking with Stroll in the pen after the race. So, I mean, again, just rumors at this point. We don't have anything official, but it seems like it's most likely going to happen. Now, I wonder what Vettel's thinking is from this. Like, does he think that Racing Point or Aston Martin next year is going to be a race-winning car? I mean, they've shown potential, obviously, but... Um... Does he believe in the future of this team, where it's going to be, you know, the new rules package that they're going to be uh, amazing as well? Like, who knows? I mean, it's very interesting to see what Vettel's ideas are going to be here. I want to, I want to hear his thoughts behind why he's going to Racing Point. Because I mean, I figured he might try to go to Red Bull or try to go to Mercedes or something like that. Yeah, because he would honestly make a good fit at Red Bull. I mean, I know mm-hmm. we thought maybe in the past that he'd go head-to-head and it would be bad with Verstappen but you know maybe actually it would be a good scenario for the both of them because they could both challenge each other and push the team forward against Mercedes but I know that Vettel said that he didn't necessarily want to go to a midfield team something like Alpha Tauri or like Kimi did to Alfa Romeo yeah he still wanted to win and achieve things in this sport so I don't know maybe the other part of the whole rumors was that he went uh he went somewhere with Racing Point boss Otmar Safanauer and his Ferrari after the race (laughs) So I don't know if they signed the contract in the car or what was going on, but maybe he's got some information that we don't in terms of what Aston kind Martin. Of I, kind of ironic that they're signing the deal in the Ferrari, is yeah. not? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's funny he doesn't have like an Aston Martin yet or anything, right? You'd figure that he would already get a car, but um, so I don't know. It's yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'd like to hear what his reasoning is, but at the moment it seems like Racing Point might be the head of the midfield um, come 2022. But then again, with all those big rule changes, it could completely shake things up. Well, exactly. Who knows what could happen at that point? I mean, Mercedes were kind of in 
know, the, the top of the midfield or whatever in 2013, and then 2014 hit, and they're the best team. So yeah, and it's been dominant since. So I mean, kind of, it's you know, you never really know with a major rules package change. Um, but uh, at the same time, I mean, McLaren has done a phenomenal job of coming up and being filling in as you know that number three team, yeah. um, number four team, whatever you want to put it as. Um, and they look like they're consistently good. Like it's not just a couple of tracks. Like they look like every race they're 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 pushing. Um, so uh, there's another team that could be flying in as well. Yeah, that's the problem with the Racing Point this year. Is like they've looked really good in certain practice sessions. Like Stroll was even P1 after free practice two, and then just for whatever reason, like in qualifying they can't bring it together. In the race they can't bring it together. They've had bad luck obviously this weekend. So. It's like, yeah, they did copy last year's Mercedes, and we thought, you know, that was going to be like a race-winning car potentially, but it just it hasn't come together just yet. No, not yet. I mean, again, only race four. Uh, who knows what, what could happen um, with the continued development of that car? Copying or whatever as you want, but you do have to continue to develop the car a little bit more to get it further and further ahead because everyone else is going to be doing the same thing. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Evolution is going to be key for them. Um, still don't know anything about the protest in terms of what the result is. Ferrari have also kind of jumped into the whole protest or inquiry scheme, so I'm still waiting on some news there. Maybe we'll get something before we get uh, our preview up at the end of the week, but uh, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, the only thing I did hear about that is that the FIA is going to do one decision on all three protests or all four protests or whatever it is rather than individual um individual investigations it's just gonna be one big investigation yeah that makes sense because otherwise yeah. it would drag on the whole season almost exactly yeah um all right moving on then to some other parts of the race uh like i said wasn't it wasn't really much uh, i wanted to just point out that uh, the kafiat crash was actually not driver error it was caused by a right rear puncture um that footage kind of came out after the race everybody was making the torpedo comments that they're back in <laughs> f1 but I know Kvyat was really upset with himself, but yeah. it wasn't his Man, fault. Man, that was a hard lick. It was, very um, hard. Yeah, one of the bigger crashes of the year for sure. Uh, but yeah, completely, uh, you know, just a, a tire failure. And if you're going 200 miles an hour and your tire goes, especially the right rear, um, you know, it's that's going to be some trouble. So at least he's okay. Glad that he's okay. And uh, we'll have to see them. You know, if he kind of can get back mentally now that he knows it's not his fault, uh, he knows it's the car's fault. Um, but yeah, you're right. He seemed very upsetting. He was shoving the camera away and everything. So he was being a little, little over dramatic about everything. Yeah, but. yeah, I know that was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's a scary one to have. You know, like tire failure, especially like the highest part or highest speed part of the track there too, in sector two. So that was scary. Um, on the Pirelli uh, front, actually, today they made the decision that. They're still going to stick with the softer compounds of C2, C3, and C4 for this Sunday's Grand Prix. Thank but, God. Yeah, it's good. But they're also just, I think they were going to raise uh, minimum pressures as well um, to kind of avoid that. But people thought like, oh, like step softer, it's going to be even worse. But this is going to force teams to do a two-stop, come in earlier, and we should be able to avoid all those issues. Exactly. It'll just be an interesting two-stop, put some more strategies in there um, to make it a little more interesting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hopefully at least, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll still see some tire blowouts. I, it, it definitely could, especially the speeds that they're doing. I mean, you know, these cars have the most downforce they've ever had, so tires are pre—they're being put under stress that we've never really seen before. 
you know, especially when you see from uh, from the Mercedes and four or five other cars had same issues. So um, I just like the fact that they're going to be forced into a two-stop. And if we get a safety car again, we should get a little bit more drama and excitement from this weekend's race. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's been a safety car at every British Grand Prix for the last, like, I don't know what it is, a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> so we should see one again. This yeah. Yeah, it should be an interesting race. I mean... Mercedes are most likely going to still be uh, out in front one and two. Um, their advantage is, is pretty massive. But I just found that, you know, after the, the safety car periods, it was a very, very dull race because mm. I think of the tire management and everything that was going on. So I just hope that this shakeup a little bit is going to provide us with some more action. So well, hopefully teams can push a little more if they're going to two-stop. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, It'd be nice because it's such a great track, and we've gotten good races here before. Um, it's just this one kind of fell a little bit flat. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You need, you're right. Usually the British Grand Prix is um, you know, one of the more exciting races of the year, but, but it, well, it was at the end. Yeah. Um, as yeah. you mentioned, you know, close to a historic, you know, legendary ending, but um, it, it, I mean, it still is pretty cool. But yeah, what do you think? Should uh, should Red Bull have uh, brought in Verstappen? Because you know, many think that well, had he stayed lost. out, would have won the race. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Um. That's, it's interesting. Um, you can't predict the future, right? Um, so were they worried about their tire at the end? They saw Bottas go and figured, you know what, just to be safe, we go for the fastest lap. You know, it, Of course, they didn't think Hamilton's tire was going to go. Um, I know they were probably kicking themselves after the fact, um, but I think it was the right call at the time. Um you know, you, you think that you're going to, you know, not catch Hamilton. There's no way. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I thought it was the right call to, to, to come in, get fresh set, go for the fastest lap. Because um, who knows? Hey, you know, Verstappen's could have gone too. I mean, you know, we could have had um, who was in fourth science. He was, and then he got oh, his not, puncture. Oh, that's um, right. He got a puncture too. Would have been Norris because Norris. Norris finished fifth. So, what would, like, Leclerc would have been second i guess and then i think yeah. norris would have been uh, third. third so i mean we could have had that happen yeah um, which would have been wild oh uh, but no actually sorry it would have been ricardo on the podium because he oh, finished fourth right. he would have got a podium that's right you're right yeah ricardo finished fourth um so fantastic race by him yes very good yeah he's very good he's um, he's a guy we haven't talked about but is outperforming that Renault. absolutely he's come into gears this year like he's gotten comfortable in the Renault, and now he's like, "All right, I'm going for it." So yeah, uh, which is nice to see. But no, I think it was the right call by Red Bull. It sucks that it cost them, you know, a lot of money and points and everything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, lucky boy, Lewis. That uh, it all comes down to luck, man. It all comes down to luck. Yeah, I guess you make your own luck, but yeah, you got to be lucky to be good and good to be lucky, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which he is <laughs> both ways. <laughs> exactly. I think it was the right move too, because at the time I was like, "Yeah, yeah, they probably should have just stayed out, took, taken the risk." But Horner said after the race that the tire that they took off in, in, in the end had like 50 cuts in it, like little cuts in it. So there was plenty of debris on the track. So there's probably a good possibility that Verstappen's tire would have went off the same way as well, and then they probably would have had nothing. Maybe would have stayed in the points. So um, they played it safe, and and in the end, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Like even if they would have won the race. Would have been a lucky victory. It's not like they would have won it just because their car was that good and because of the pace. So, you know, in the end, it didn't really bother me that much because it's like, well, we know Mercedes is this good. So 
if, if, if what it takes is them to, uh, you know, get punctures in order for another team to win a race, I think that's more the problem than whether you know, Red Bull brought them in or not. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> but, I mean, like you said, you, you can't predict or you can't look back, you know, knowing what you know now and, and take that into a race scenario. Everything yeah. happened split-second decisions, so... Can we, uh, can we talk about quickly, too, Charles Leclerc somehow quietly sneaking into another podium? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where'd that come from? He, somehow he's, he's doing it. He's keeping that car afloat. Um, and, you know, that's the second podium of the year, which we didn't think Ferrari was going to get any podiums this year. No. Um, but two podiums for the year, it's 50%. It's pretty good uh, for, for Charles. And well, maybe he's somehow has a handle of, of this, of this uh, Ferrari a little bit that he can keep it up there with the... Uh, top of the midfield yeah it seems to come down to driving styles because Vettel was like completely nowhere near his pace and you know could barely keep the car on the track had so many problems throughout the weekend so but yeah it's like he just quietly sneaks in there got the podium in Austria now the podium here too so yeah considering the fact that it's like you said they didn't think that they were going to get podiums and barely make it into Q3 good for him I mean that's and especially when looking at the other cars too like McLaren have been consistently better and Leclerc's still sneaking in for a podium, so yeah, yeah, got a good handle on the car. No, he does. I mean, shows that you the race driver he is. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough though for him and and science for next season, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if science is kind of regretting his decision yet. <laughs> Probably. Um, but uh, hey, maybe for twenty twenty two, you know, it could it could be all for the long term. It's a long way to wait. I mean, that's uh, a good what two years from now, and yeah. no major reg changes for for next season. For the most part, I know they can change only limited number of things, so um, it's it's going to be a long couple of years for Ferrari, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I think that about is that the conclusion really for all the race incidents. Did we miss anything? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe some inquiries, but I don't think anything major. No, yeah, I think we covered ma- mostly uh, all the major stuff, uh, the incidents and everything like that. Um, yeah, this was kind of just you know a, a quick debrief of of the race and what happened afterwards. But um, yeah, it's a quick turnaround, obviously another triple header coming up on the way. So um, I'm hoping that this weekend's race is going to be more, more dynamic, more entertaining. Uh, I still don't think that there's really going to be much competition at the front, but I do think that one of the nice things is, is like this whole tire drama is going to be a talking point throughout the race. So, you know, don't leave your TV set. Maybe I think a lot of people did last weekend. We're going to have to wait to the last 10 laps again. Exactly. I mean, I, my buddy was watching the race, and he's like, uh, he turned it off with five laps to go. I said, oh, did you see that? He goes, no, what? <laughs> I the race was over. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a reason to stay on your TV. The race isn't over till it's over, uh, I guess. But uh, hopefully we have some more tired drama and some interesting stuff happen this weekend to uh, make it a, a more interesting race for the full length of the race, not just uh, the start and the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what we want, and um, we know celebrating the 70th anniversary whole season. You know, it'd be nice to have a real nice classic race uh, around here. Yeah, it's gonna be hotter though. From what I uh, last checked, it's gonna be much hotter this weekend than it was last which, weekend. Which is good. That means more degradation on the tires. Yeah, and tougher for Mercedes too, right? I mean, they yeah. struggled last Friday in free practice when it was hotter. So uh, yeah, I'll just get the uh, I'll get the weather report right now for you. Just okay. Give me two seconds. Specifics. That's right. Yeah, because they got, like, um, Saturday, Sunday ended up being only, you know, 22, 23 degrees ambient temperature, which, and cloud yeah, cover exactly. as well. Um, so, right now, we have Friday is a 30 degree, Saturday, 25, Sunday, uh, 21 degrees. Hmm. 
on Sunday. So let's, let's always hope to, to have a little bit of rain possibility for uh, for Sunday. That would be a classic, a good mix. That would be. Yeah. That'd be classic Silverstone. But, uh, yeah, it would. So well, who knows? I mean, again, who really knows what the weather is? It's, uh, I mean, we thought, you know, we thought we weren't going to get any rain. You get rain. I mean, no one really knows what the weather's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that puts the cap, really, for uh, the 2020 British Grand Prix uh, on this edition of the podcast. Anything else that you uh, wanted to add? Uh, any, anything else maybe in the F1 world that's circulating that was on your mind? <laughs> rather than the Nico Hulkenberg, which yeah. is classic uh, Renegade. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I just hope for Hulkenberg to be able to have a solid race this weekend coming up and that uh, he can get into the seat because I really want to see him in that racing point and see how he does. Yeah, yeah, I agree awesome with you. He's awesome for him to get a podium. Yes, I hope he does, which would like put the perfect cap on this whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Watch. No, that's the only thing I got. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, that does it for me as well. Um. So schedule, I guess, for the rest of this week, we'll have uh, a preview coming in uh, in a couple days' time just for the race, and then uh, we'll see what uh, Shaker's work situation is, if we can get the three of us together for uh, the recap of the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. But uh, if not, we've got this solution too. That's right. Always make it work. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a quick note too, if uh, anybody wants to send in any questions uh, that you have for the upcoming 70th anniversary Grand Prix, uh, drop those in the comments or uh, tweet us at TBMF1Show and then I can uh, answer some of those in the preview. Um, obviously not much is going to change in terms of uh, track info and tires and things like that for this weekend's race. So it might be just good to uh, take a couple minutes to answer some fan questions. I know there was a lot of discussion online afterwards and we got uh, a lot of tweets too and replies to some of our tweets that we sent out um, with some good opinions and good banter as well. So um, send those in in the comments below. Perfect. All right. Uh, I think that'll about do it for uh, Tyler and myself. Tyler, thanks for joining me. Um, nice. Enjoy the uh, the footy match. Enjoy. Was it, right. was it Brentwood? Am I saying it right? Brentford. 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 Okay. Brentford and Fulham. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a zero zero right now. So we'll see how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cheer for Brentford. If you're a fan of the club, comment down below. Um, if you're a fan of Fulham too, I mean, I mean, you got a cool team too. I want to go to Craven Cottage eventually. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, it's for another another topic for another day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we thank everybody for joining us on the podcast. Uh, check out some of our other videos below. Um, we'll link it in the description. It's also uh, on the homepage of our channel. And uh, yeah, another busy week ahead because of the uh, triple header. So more content coming out. Um, we're on social media, of course, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just type in Backmarkers F1 Show in the search bar. You're going to find us there. And uh, yeah, never hesitate to reach out to us. Send us any questions, any inquiries, anything you have relating to the channel. We'd always appreciate hearing from you guys. That's right. We, uh, we love your questions that come in, and we're always interested to, uh, to answer them because you guys come up with some good points as well. So um, it's nice to, to have some more topic to have conversation for our next show. Yep, well said. All right, thanks everybody for joining us again, and we'll see you next time.